0: So you're welcome to our final session of the Kingdom of God. The series. This is the fourth session, um, and we've done quite a lot. And I want to encourage you to go and check out the other three sessions where we trace the Kingdom of God in the Old and the New Testament, and then we start talking about how the Kingdom of God, though established through Jesus Christ, is now spreading, and it spreads through the, what the Holy Spirit does through His people. Okay. I do want to quickly say this um, about historically kingdoms, empires, large empires that eventually crumbled. Do you know why they have crumbled? Now, usually an external force, for those who have fought external forces, weren't the main reason why they crumbled. They crumbled, uh, those just served to exacerbate or accelerate their crumbling. They crumbled because they were first defeated from within before they were defeated from without. I don't know your favorite football team, mine is Arsenal, We're having hard times, 16 years of hard times, um, but a lot of the reasons why we had not done well on externally, we are facing other teams, sometimes you are defeated by teams that are even inferior to you, is because the team isn't united. In other words, many times, it's impossible to defeat the enemy without when we are not looking at the enemy within. In the last session, um, we started talking about an external enemy. And we started talking about the different spheres in which we engage with spiritual warfare. We said the gospel is at the center, but just the uh, concentric circle immediately outside that, which is directly related to the propagation of the gospel. We call it kingdom propagation. The one outside of that, Um, helps for the propagation by preparation. So we call that kingdom preparation. And the one further outside that was where the superiority of the kingdom of God is demonstrated. Again, the superiority of the kingdom of Satan is demonstrated. And so we call that kingdom demonstration. Now there's still yet one more level. One more level Uh, that we must examine. Though it is furthest away, it's absolutely crucial. And after that, we'll then see how we battle the internal enemy, how the kingdom of God starts to affect us, who are inside the kingdom, how it starts to have increasing rule over us, even as we anticipate the coming kingdom's um, consummation on the earth. All right. So let us begin. Level four. We've called this kingdom activism. A few decades ago, I think around the year 1975, two men, Bill Bright and Lauren Cunningham, they were both leaders of parachurch ministries, they said that in order to bring godly change to a nation you must reach seven spheres of influence. Some people have called it seven mountains of influence within the culture. One was religion, two was family, three was uh, government, four, education, five, arts and entertainment, six, media, seven, business. Now, many people from there and in more recent years have developed their theology of the kingdom of God based on those seven spheres. Some people have developed or have had prophecies that then develops upon those things. But there is a lot of activity, a lot of engagement in those spheres when people think about the kingdom of God. Some people have spoken about establishing the kingdom of God on earth through taking over those seven mountains and transforming them. Some have even gone further to say, when Christians take over as God intends, that is what will usher in the coming of Christ. They say that Christ is coming for a glorious church. And the glorious church would not just see that the people are perfect, but that the people would have gone into these spheres of society. The mountain of the Lord's house shall be exalted above the mountains, of, uh, above all other hills. And so people see that we in the kingdom would be established in those seven spheres. And that's what will then bring in the consummation of the kingdom of God, that Christ would not come for a defeated church. So, I would then say that without the taking over in these seven mountains, God's will, we can't say, according to Matthew 6, that God's will on earth has been done as in heaven. Now, I do think that such statements and some of the ways a lot of these things have been um, um, explained or have been taught are actually quite, uh, they've gone too far. And the, the, I can say the fundamental reason we say that is because they refuse to keep the gospel at the center. You see, what happens is even if you say, well, let's transform religion and make people Christians, but they're saying that is just but one sphere, that is just but one mountain and so you end up making the spiritual sphere and the educational sphere and the arts and entertainment sphere, you make an equivalency that the Bible I don't think makes. And that then moves people away from being motivated by the gospel or thinking about the gospel and then are thinking about these things. And a lot of careless statements then end up being made. Like I remember the last election and people are saying, Um, The only way Christians can, one of the ways that Christians can establish the kingdom of God is if we get our voters card by PVC and voting God's candidates and things like that. Now, though I think a lot of people have gone too far with this, I do think, though, and a lot of us, this is why we are engaged. We believe the message of the kingdom of God in in that way, because these things do matter. And so the impulse is right, even though I think the definitions or the ways we can use them can be done better. And that comes with how we think about this thing within the concentric circles. The gospel is at the center. There is propagation, there is preparation, there is demonstration, and then we have activism. So how is it that people who are part of the kingdom, for instance, can engage in government? A couple of us know about the Nsars movement that happened um, it started in uh, Lagos, in Lekki, where our church is, but then spread throughout the nation. And at some point, as the movement was, well, I would say getting to crescendo, but also petering out, someone asked me, a lady asked me and said, I want to make a difference. How can I make a difference? I'm not sure. I'm not sure how this movement is going. And I told her, well, at this, sphere, at this level, it always takes time. But I said, here's what you can do. Gather a few friends and you guys start talking. Start reading about what it means to bring national transformation. Do research, and I'm extending a little bit of what I said here. Do some research and do some study. And then if you do that consistently, right, you guys can then, if you raise funding for this group of people who are, some people can exclusively give themselves to research and teaching, uh, and, and, and research and, um, and uh, uh, study, they can eventually come up with policy, uh, 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 they can formulate different making policy solutions to some of the issues that we have in our country. Now, those can then be lobbied for and can be presented to political parties that some other people would start. And they can put it on their election manifesto uh, uh, um, for the next election. Now, what's happening there? Have you seen? I basically was telling her, try and start a think tank. But we also have lobbies there. We have for policy formulation. We have uh, political parties. And we have, you know, uh, 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 participating in election, whether it's local government, whether it's Senate and all. What have I said? That you should? we should engage with the poli- in the political sphere at the different levels, motivated by the compassion of the kingdom of God, but also the kingdom of God that we are anticipating. You see, we don't establish it through politics, but because we are already in a kingdom where the government will never end, where it shall be perfect justice and righteousness. We can work for righteousness and justice through the political sphere in this. But we will not lose heart when many things don't happen, when we are frustrated. Why? Because this is not our country. This is not our city. We are looking forward to one that is to come. So we look forward to the kingdom that is to come, and that makes us relevant here. You know, when Jesus and his apostles healed people, and people have healed people, you know what they, that means? It means that those people who were oppressed and could not be functioning members of the society because of the oppression that the the, the demons or the or the uh, disease that they had was um, putting them under. Um it meant that they could now join the society. There are many people in that are vulnerable in our society that we also can help in that way, even if we cannot perform extraordinary miracles. I'm very motivated by what Job says in Job 29, verses 11 to 17. He says that people who heard him speak, uh, who whoever heard me spoke well of me, and they commended him. Why? Because he took care of the vulnerable in society. He said, I rescued the poor and the fatherless he said the one that was dying blessed me the widows I made the widows hearts sing I put on righteousness as my clothing justice was my robe and my turban I was eyes to the blind the lame and feet to the lame I was father to the needy I took up the case of the stranger I broke the fangs of the wicked and snatched the victims from their teeth you see all these people the poor The fatherless, the dying, the widow, the blind, the lame, the needy, the stranger, the victims. What was Job doing? He was bringing, he said, I put on justice as my robe and turban. Job was bringing justice to these people that had been ostracized from the society socially because of the problems they were facing. Some of his intervention was individualistic to one person, but some of it was systemic. When it says, I broke the fangs of the wicked and snatched the victims from their teeth. And when it says, I took, I, I took up the case of the stranger in court. At this level, some Christians will be involved in acts of social justice, social justice activities. Delivering people from oppression individu- at an individual levels. So, for instance, at individual levels, you can give to beggars, you can give to charities, you can help strangers. But at systemic levels, we can, at, with based on our various expertise, our, our social networks, our understanding, our proximity to the situation deal with prison reform, deal with sex trafficking, deal with fighting against female genital uh, mutilation, advocacy, advocacy for girl education or for even the education of the poor. We don't bring the kingdom by doing those things, but the members of the kingdom, through the compassion of the kingdom and the kingdom that they're anticipating can affect this particular broken world and kingdom that we live in. Here's another one, still related to the social justice. It's not enough to just break people's oppression, but it's also important to empower them, to empower them so that they can now start to make living on their own, right? So for instance, you can do that through skills training. You can do that through motivational speaking. You can do that through leadership development, youth empowerment, providing scholarship for education. All of these things, you see, can make differences in our nation. It can show our nation that the people of the kingdom that has started and the kingdom that is yet to come are here. We can make a difference. I've said this many times. We are not looking for a new Nigeria, but we are looking because we look forward to a new Uh, Jerusalem, we can look forward, we can make a difference in a renewed Nigeria. One more thing we can do. You see, Christians can engage with the culture in the artistic realm, for instance. You know, when Paul in Acts chapter 17 was debating some guys in Athens, he quoted some of their poets, he quoted uh, philosophers Epimenides and Aratus when he said, for in him we move, we live and move and have our being, that was Epimenides, a, um, a Christian uh, uh, philosopher. And then when he says, um, uh, we are all his offspring to the unknown God, we're all his offspring, that was Aratus, that was a Cilician philosopher, right? He was engaging the forms of the culture that they understood. So today, for instance, Christians should be able to present countercultural narratives, however, using the artistic forms that the culture understands. That is, artistic forms of music, of films, of how we use social media, comedy, literature. Because, you see, a lot of teachings, anti-theistic, antichrist teachings, are used through these popular media forms. So, we should also engage them in very excellent ways. We should do them as well as the people are doing them, but we should provide countercultural narratives. Now, when I say countercultural narratives, I'm not saying we only explicitly sing Christian songs or do cr- explicit Christian um, movies. No, we can actually still build, we can sing songs that are not anti Christian or that present certain things that are Christian in a secular way. Or we can actually put out movies that show the Christian hope again in a secular way, but we can push back against the narratives, the ones that are taking over our children without being contentious, without being say, without trying to make enemies of people. We can just push back. This also is spiritual warfare. But as I leave this external um, external enemies, the warfare with the external enemies. I want to emphasize, part of the problem that happens is when Christians feel embarrassed by the gospel. We want to engage in spiritual warfare, but we forget that the way this kingdom is established is through the gospel. When we start to forget things like evangelism and things like, when we start to forget the church, and we're now trying to just engage in cultural stuff um, to just show that we're exposed, or to just engage in social activism without being part of the church and always railing against the church, trying to do apologetics here and there because it sounds rational. When we do all of these things forgetting the gospel, we are in danger because we try to then spread and establish the kingdom in a way God has not done. No, we can be passionate about the kingdom, the core of the kingdom, the gospel, and look at these concentric circles and say we are meant to be involved in all of these things within our capacity, within the capacity of our time and our resources and our expertise. But always remember, keep the major, the major, and keep the minor, the minor. Now that brings me to the internal kingdom battle. Because remember I said that we can lose the external war many times because we've lost internally. And many people, I remember I spoke about in level two, that kingdom behavior is a way that we can wage warfare. When talked about gentleness and respect, it's a critical component of warfare. That is, I'm not just talking about Christian character or Christian morals. I'm talking about kingdom behavior. You see, Paul speaks about this kingdom behavior and he sets it up within the context, both of the kingdom, but also within the context of warfare. See what he says. He says that there is a war that happens. I'm going to spend a lot of time in Galatians 5 and the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 to 7. In Galatians 5, he says, for the flesh, that's the internal enemy, desires what is contrary to the spirit. Remember, the spirit is of the kingdom. So, the flesh is now opposing the spirit. Now, when we say the flesh, we're not talking about physical flesh. We're talking about a realm that influences us in our old way of life, in our old way of life when we weren't born of the spirit, but it's still present. That still tempts us from within. He says that flesh desires what's contrary to the spirit, and the spirit was contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict, warfare with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. It says, however, those who belong, verse 24, to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Crucified, mortified, killing. This is warfare going on within you guys. And so that's why when it talks about the flesh and it talks about the works of the flesh, certain kinds of behaviors, verse 19, the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, Idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage. If you've been in church for a little time, you know that these things are not right, that Christianity doesn't say that these things are right. Fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Now, wait for it. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this, notice it's not just about Christian character, they will not inherit what? The kingdom of God. Kingdom behavior. You see, in Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount, again, we talks about a lot of characteristics of Christians, many people forget that it's set within the context of kingdom thinking. He's talking about the citizens of the kingdom and how they behave. How do I know that? Well, it's bookended. The Sermon on the Mount is bookended It starts somewhere in the beginning and somewhere at the end. It talks about the kingdom of heaven or the opening of the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, is bookended also first part and the last part by the kingdom of heaven. Let's look at what it says. Let's look at the book end of the of the of the Beatitudes Matthew 5 3 and Matthew 5 10. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Is how the sermon starts and towards the end of the sermon in verse 21 of chapter 7 says not everyone Who says to me, Lord, Lord will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. When the Bible, when when you have a section of the Bible where um, um, the beginning and the end look alike, it means that the middle is explicating what you see at the beginning and the end. It's called an it's a literary device called an inclusion. So that means the whole discussion is about the kingdom, those who are part of the kingdom. And here are two things that he says, characterize those who are part of the kingdom. I want you to test yourself. The hardest I always find is in Matthew 5, verse 43 to 45. He said, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's the way the world will tell you to do. That's what our natural flesh would want us to do. He said, but I tell you, love your enemies, your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. He says you can't hate people book of around. You can't hate them. You can't hate them. He didn't say you could like them. He says, but you can't hate them. He says that you may be the children of your father in heaven. He's saying that is how you imitate your father in heaven. You are not of this place. You are a citizen. Paul says that our citizenship is of heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. God blesses both the bad and good people. So you also should love your enemies. Here's another one in Matthew 6, verse 31, 33. It says, don't worry. Do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. That person that you don't really like, that person who dumped you, That person that swindled you? That person that speaks to you somehow in church? Do you love them? I'm not asking if you like them. Do you pray for them? This is how you demonstrate that you're actually the child of your father. This is how you demonstrate that you are part of the kingdom. Or, things are difficult as many of us would say in Nigeria now today. How does worry help you solve any of those things? Do you worry? Are you the kind of person that People need to be encouraging you every week, every single week. You need encouragement all the time, but you are never an encourager. Is it because you are not really seeking the kingdom? You are seeking a kingdom here. And you are scared about how the things of your kingdom here can be taken away from you. Do you see that... We have to fight the internal enemy so that we can see more of God's kingdom rule and reign in our lives. That's what Jesus was addressing in the Sermon on the Mount. He's not saying this is how you enter into the kingdom. He's saying those who are in the kingdom, they behave this way in increasing measures. Now you may think that it is is impossible. If you think it's impossible, it's because you've forgotten about the Holy Spirit, the one who is so tied to the kingdom. It's not just for powerful demonstrations, but it's also for character development. That's why Paul says, if you want to grow in this, you have to keep in step with the Spirit, uh, Galatians 5.16. So I say, walk by the Spirit and therefore you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. It's not just about crucifying the flesh, it is also by what you do. It's not just by what you don't do, it's by what you do. The thief should not steal anymore, but rather he should work so that he can be generous. The way you tackle greed is by generosity. The way you deal with the flesh is by not gratifying, the, uh, crucifying the flesh, but also walking in step or keeping, uh, walking instead with the Spirit. Because why? What is the fruit of the Spirit? It's love that then is demonstrated in eight different ways. Joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And it's not an exhausting list. It's love because the reason, the way we entered into the kingdom was through God's love. Jesus died for us through love for the Father, but for love for the people that will believe in him. And so now he says, we also should demonstrate love. How? Through the Holy Spirit that lives in us. We cannot live this life without the Holy Spirit. Those who are in the kingdom, by definition, are those who live by the Spirit. Galatians 5.25 says, since we live by the Spirit, or if indeed we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Life in the Spirit. How do I grow in this? Here's one thing I must tell you. If you must grow in the spirit, if you must grow as a citizen of the kingdom, you can't do it alone. You see, when Jesus poured out the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter two, he wasn't just pouring out the spirit to people individually. He was was forming a new family of God. If God, Jesus says we should pray to our Father for his kingdom to come. If he's all our Father, then we're all part of one family and so he created this thing called the church the new people of god which is expressed locally all around the world because he's blessed all nations and so jesus gives us a new family a new community and he says express life in the spirit through this so now following that in galatians five twenty six, he then says let us not become conceited provoking and envying each other you see you can't do it alone don't provoke each other. There's a way how not to behave. But he then says, there's a way to behave. For instance, 6 verse 1, Galatians 6 verse 1, brothers and sisters, family, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore the person more gently. Because part of how we see the love of the Spirit is through gentleness. Remember, that if we're in the kingdom, we are under the rulership of God's King, and his law, and if that king is Christ, how do we fulfill Christ's law? Verse two, carry each other's burdens, and in that way you'll fulfill the law of Christ. Life in the kingdom, battling the internal enemy, allowing ourselves to be ruled by the kingdom of God, And there's more that I can say in verse 6. It says, Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the world should share all good things with their instructor. In other words, he's asking for generosity within the church. If you are getting the ministry of the church, you are being blessed by the church. We should look after the church as we walk. As we work with our hands and God blesses us, we should also bless when we are being blessed spiritually. It's a way we carry each other's burdens. It's a way we show the love of God. Verse 10 of Galatians 6, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. Do show generosity within, show generosity without, live out being part of the kingdom of God. In Hebrews 10 verse 24 and 25, he says that we should not give up on meeting with each other. Some people do that. And when we decide to live as lone ranger Christians, we're actually trying showing that we're not really part of the kingdom of God. He says, let's not give up meeting each other. He says, let's consider how to provoke one another to love and to good deeds. He says, and so as we do so, let us keep the day in view. As the day is approaching. When is that day? the day when Jesus returns to set up and consummate that kingdom. So I want to ask you, are you a Lone Ranger Christian? Why don't you join a healthy church? A church where the kingdom of God and the gospel is being taught. A church where you know you can grow. A church where the gospel is at the center and so that you can live in community so that you can together fight the external enemies but also fight the internal ones. This is how the kingdom of God not only is established through the gospel but also spreads. And this brings us to the end of this series. I hope it's been a blessing to you and I look forward to hearing from you. Hopefully you can share all of these things that we've said, but also I hope that you use it to pray. I hope that you can use it to make a difference. I hope you can use it to bring more people into the kingdom of God. God bless you. Thank you for engaging with our Theology Day uh, series. I don't know which teaching you just listened to, but I, or watched, I'm sure, and I hope it was a blessing uh, for you. And if it was truly really a blessing, I would love for you to subscribe to our YouTube channel where you see a lot of other resources and hit the notification bell uh, there so that you know when we have posted anything online. Also, go to that YouTube channel. you see a whole lot of other resources, some of it under this Theology Day series, or some of them with our sermons that are there or our frequently asked questions, our FAQs, uh, Femi Answers Questions. Um, at the same time, can you leave a comment for us? Can you like as well? And you share with other people. We also invite you to uh, follow us on all our social media platforms. We are at City Church Lagos. Hopefully, we'll see you come again to engage with all our resources. God bless you.